Maniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I have no notes or anything whatsoever prepared for the intro for this week, because the long nightmare has finally ended for me. On January 14th, I got a kidney stone, and it turned out to be two kidney stones. One of them I passed the following weekend and the other one has been with me up until the other day Uh, I went in on Wednesday of this week to have a procedure where they went in to get it and it wasn't horrible Uh, they they put you under and then you wake up and if you're me and you're lucky your lovely wife is sitting there next to you when it's all over to answer all the questions and to handle the fact that I, I was completely out of it and had no idea what was going on because I had just been anesthetized. Uh, and then for the rest of that day, every time I peed, it felt like razor blades shooting out of my wiener. Um, I, for, as far as I can tell, the procedure involved them taking, which, by the way, this is appropriate because this week's episode is all about toy gimmicks. Uh, and if you remember, in the 80s, a common gimmick was the zip cord. Uh, Orco came with one. Lots of toy cars came with them. And it was this uh, toothed piece of plastic with a ring on the end. And you would stick it in the toy and yank it out. And the toy would go racing off across the table or whatever. I feel like somebody put one of those in me and then yanked it out. Uh, that's how it felt the whole rest of the day on Wednesday and a little bit Thursday morning. But now I feel pretty much okay and better. But I'm still a little. I'm, I'm on uh, medication to help me deal with the fact that I felt like that. Uh, so I'm a little out of it, but I'm also relaxed and I feel great. And I feel like this uh, this first portion of the year that has been full of horrors. Uh, because not only did the kidney stone thing happen, but there's been uh, work. I, I worked uh, on a different sort of thing than I usually do at work, and it didn't turn out to be great, so that was pretty bad, too. Uh, this year has been pretty rotten so far, but all of that's done. Everything is, as of right now, back to normal. I'm feeling pretty good, uh, and you know, we recorded a great, great episode Monday night, uh, this was the idea of the glow-in-the-dark world champion, Mr. Bob Burke, and I wanted to bring on our pals Ricky and Bambi, who haven't been on the show in a very long time, because I knew they'd be a lot of fun for a Toy Gimmicks episode. So this episode is absolutely awesome, and it's one that I'm glad. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I need a little more intro, but this one, it, it's just, it's this is all the episode uh, that you need because it's it's great. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, that's pretty much all I've got, you guys. There, oh, I'll tell you a couple more things. Uh, I got uh, I'm ordered the Valiverse Action Force, which is sort of a competing line to GI Joe Classified, but not really because it's much more expensive. Uh, but but it is sort of positioning itself that way. 
Everything looks great, and I ordered a weapons pack. It's the very first physical offerings from the Action Force, and it's awesome. I highly recommend it. If it goes back up on sale on, or if it does go back up on sale Monday, go to uh, Valvers on Instagram, and uh, you can find out the information for ordering it. It's very cool. It's, I think it's 30 or 35 pieces. It's a bunch of clips, but tons of weapons and stuff. They're very sturdy, very well sculpted, cool stuff. And then also... I know I haven't talked about them a whole lot because a few years ago I just ordered a, a few pieces and I've used them for photography and stuff, but extreme sets, which make cardboard dioramas and backdrops and stuff for your action figures, put up a whole bunch of new stuff on the 11th and you can get it from them or you can get it from bigbadtoystore.com. I ordered from Big Bad, e even if it does come a little bit later because the shipping from extreme sets is insane. Uh, the set that I wanted, uh, which is it's basically like a star it's almost like most Eisley, but it's it's any generic star wars outdoor environment they're they're like buildings and it, it looks great it's really really cool and there's no english on it which is one of my problems i've had with some of the extreme sets outer space sets is that they have english characters on these things and it drives me nuts because i want this to be like otherworldly outer space stuff and they've got like sector seven written on it in english it's really annoying to me uh so this one doesn't have any of that and i was going to order it but it was going to be 20 bucks for shipping then i went to big bad who has the four dollar flat rate shipping and ordered it from them so but but lots of awesome sets. There's one that looks like the Decepticons base, one that looks like the Autobots base. Uh, there's a mansion that could be like a haunted setting, or it could also be like Xavier's or uh, the Hellfire Hellfire Club. Lots of different uses for that one. I wouldn't mind having that. But I, but I just can't put a whole lot of money into extreme sets because I don't have the space for them. And I know they break down and stuff, but uh, it's just something that I, I don't need to have a bunch of those but i do want to have enough different ones to have some different backgrounds for the the little bit of photography photography that i still do which you can find uh at phantom troublemaker on instagram so uh you can check that out there uh there you go i think that's i think that's it you guys i'm i'm tired i'm a little woozy still like today around three o'clock i got extremely cold and extremely tired and i took a nap which i don't normally do uh but i'm back up now to record this intro and to put this episode together and you guys are gonna love it so enjoy please mr bob burke's podcast baby toy gimmicks and you'll if you're not sure what i mean when i say toy gimmicks you will find out during the episode uh so crack open you know what Let, let's take it easy tonight Stay away from the adult beverages. Just get yourself uh, something to hydrate with, a nice big cup of water, or or maybe I'm trying this V8 Greens that I'm sure is bad for you in some way, but it doesn't taste awesome, so I'm thinking maybe it is a little bit good for me. I'm trying to get more green stuff uh, into my system, so maybe maybe get a, a little a glass of, of V8 Greens, or if you're into it, wheatgrass. I hear that's good. Get yourself a little shot of wheatgrass to go along with this episode. So let's, for, for this week, this week only, let's try and just stay healthy and sober as we recover from whatever ordeals this first portion of the year might have put us through. And then next week, uh, we will be ready to dive into the next Needless Commentary. Uh, but we'll get to that when the time is right. For now, sit back and enjoy Toy Gimmicks.
joining me tonight on the Needless Things podcast. First of all, I want to welcome back to the show our good friend, Bob, who is, wait for it, the Globadio World Champion. Always a pleasure to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me on again. Well, I mean, this this is your baby. This is your episode, man. You came up with this concept, uh, which is fantastic and honestly a little intimidating, but we'll get to that in a minute because next up, we have to introduce our other guests. You may know them from Radio Cult, from Possum Kingdom Ramblers, from Needless Things official house band, Ricky Zero and the world's nicest band. Please welcome to the show, Bambi <laughs> Lynn and Ricky Zero. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I well, I, as soon as Bob brought this up, because I've Ricky, I've been wanting to sit down and have a toy, another toy conversation with you forever. Uh, because every time we run into each other, we, to the annoyance of the people we're with, end up talking about <laughs> toys for like an hour, hour and a half, or whatever. Uh, and I do feel that you and I, uh, with our conversation, personally had a hand in rekindling Eagle Force, bringing it back to the world, even though we had nothing to do with Eagle Force Returns. <laughs> uh, that was our conversation sparked that, brought it back to the zeitgeist, I think. Nice. Um, but, Bob, you you said, I've got an idea for an episode, and I knew whatever it was, it was going to be cool, because everything we've talked about has been cool, and your idea was, well, you tell us the idea and and why you wanted to talk about it. So the idea I came, I came to you with was gimmicks and toys because there's so much there. Like this could almost be like, like a multi-part episode in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. And to me, a gimmick and a toy is, and I'm going to kind of step on your toes a little bit, Dave, with uh, talking about GI Joe for a second. No, go ahead. To me, like the GI Joe line in general, never really relied on gimmicks early on. They were the figures, they had their accessories, the vehicles. It was straightforward. Every now and then, something extra or different would come along. Destro, chrome helmet, that's a gimmick. Or to me, one of the greatest gimmicks ever in the history of toys, Zartan, color-changing yeah, skin. Yeah. Something that is criminally underused. The fact that they only used it two other times on a handful of vehicles still blows my mind how they didn't capitalize on that more. But to me, like that's a toy gimmick. When it's something that's kind of out of the ordinary of what the toy normally is, that's a gimmick. Whereas like, you know, like we talk a lot about wrestling figures, the whole line of Hasbro's, those are a gimmick. Yeah. Whereas like a Mattel, not so much a gimmick. It's a straightforward it's just a figure. figure. It's a representation <laughs> of the wrestler with no enhancement, no extra exactly. features to draw kids in or whatever. And this leads us into uh, Ricky and Bambi. You guys had a question about the nature of the episode. Cause this is kind of one of those things. that's a little, it could be anything. It's a little harder to grasp. Right. And I had said gimmicks would be things like glow in the dark, punching action, uh, something that lights up. And Bambi said, I said, oh, good, because I have a like Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who's both a mummy and glow in the dark. And I said, that's two gimmicks right there. And my response was, well, him being a mummy isn't really a gimmick. The glow in the well, dark definitely is. And that got both of us thinking, well, is it a gimmick? That's 100% a gimmick. Because that whole line, like you had the straightforward Ninja Turtles. And then as the line went on a little bit, maybe when they either were kind of waning in popularity a little bit, they kind of started branching out. You had the Star Trek Turtles, the Universal Monsters Turtles. To me, those are gimmicks. I, okay, I actually it's... have to agree with that when it's something, I think when you're slapping 
another thing on top of the brand, I feel like that's probably can be considered a gimmick as well. And that was Bambi's argument yeah. that you're now taking two brands and mashing them together. Mm-hmm. And my thought was it was something that's more uh, a physical trait that is is unique. But in this case, you know, that that would be unique because you're taking another brand and putting it on top of the first brand. And that's a physical trait, too. And I think what it comes down to is there's going to be a really broad definition of what we're talking about tonight, which is toy gimmicks. Uh, and that, you know, we all probably will have slightly different ideas about it. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. Uh, they're welcome to tweet us at needless things podcast, uh, hit up Instagram, tag us in your pictures of your toy gimmicks, uh, needless things podcast on Instagram. Let us know your favorite toy gimmick. And after you listen to the episode, you'll have a better idea, but you guys, I sat down to do research for this and it's insane. The number of different things that have been incorporated in added to toys over the years to give them a little something beyond just being a little plastic version of some character or whatever the case may be. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Bob, when you brought this to me naturally with you being the glow in the dark world champion, uh, one of the first things that occurred to me was glow in the dark. Absolutely. Which is a hundred percent a toy gimmick. But what I'm curious about with you guys, uh, and we'll we'll let's start with Bambi. You already mentioned Raphael. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're glow in the dark Ninja Turtle. But mm-hmm. thinking back, do you remember like the first glow in the dark toy? Like you remember seeing and thinking like, oh, this is cool. Toys can do this also. I the first thing I can remember when I was a little kid, no understanding glow in the dark. I think it was just one of those cheap bracelet, you know, like the not uh, glow stick, but they were like a glow stick. And it was just glow in the dark. And I was so fascinated by it. I mean, I was really little. I was, I don't know, maybe two or something like that. But I, I like glow in the dark. <laughs> I learned very quickly. I prefer it's, glow in the dark. It's but. great. I mean, it's it's an awesome gimmick. It's simple. I uh-huh. mean, you, you sit it in the light and then you turn the light off. And, and it's uh, done with varying degrees of success. Ricky, what about you? Do you remember kind of the first glow in the dark toy you ran into? I'm not sure if I'm remembering this from my childhood or if I'm remembering it from like later on, just something that would have been around in my childhood. But uh, I think Fisher Price made these. They were like little, um, they look like thread spools with a ball on top and they were figures. Uh, they had like a Sesame Street one. and they Oh, had the little a, people. Little people. Yeah. Little Was people. that Fisher Price? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, there was a haunted house that had a ghost that glowed yes. in the dark. Yes, oh, but so cool. <laughs> but I never had that haunted house, so I might be retroactively remembering that. I had the haunted house because my my granny was huge on garage sales, and every time we would go visit them up in North Carolina, she would always have some new toys, and they were always from a few years ago, because they're from garage sales, so it was stuff that was new to me. I'd never seen before, because when I'm five years old, there's no internet, so I have no awareness of toys from five, ten years ago, or whatever, and I had that glow in the or I had that haunted house, but I didn't have any of the pieces that went with it. Well, I know that I had the -the glow-in-the-dark Remco Mego-like uh, Dracula and Frankenstein yeah, and the uh, monsterizer. So the, 
the Dracula and Frankenstein, I'm pretty sure glowed in the dark. So those would have been some that I actually had as a kid. Yeah. I'm thinking back for me. Um, it, it's tough. To, it, okay. So this is really weird because when I'm a kid, uh, my stuff, you know, went from Mego to star Wars to GI Joe and in all those lines, I don't think there was any during, during the, you know, 79 to 86 or whatever toy period or period of time. I don't think there was any glow in the dark in any of those lines. Mego monsters. Well, but I, I only had the Mego superheroes. Oh, like Spider-Man, okay. Batman, Superman, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so for, for like me personally, I don't think any of the toy lines I collected at the time featured any glow in the dark stuff. I think the first glow in the dark toy that I had was probably silly putty. Oh, Ooh. cool. They made silly putty glow in the dark. Yes. Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> I feel like that's the first thing I had. And then after that, uh, you know, I, it's, Ninja Turtles eventually started doing glow in the dark stuff, but it wasn't until a couple years into the line. My, I, when I sat and thought back and, and kind of looked through some old toy lines, I feel like uh, one of the first things that really jumped out at me was the Toxic Crusaders line. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Had they all had glow in, glow in the dark features. They all well, had glow in the dark in. features. Uh, but I, I couldn't, it's almost like during the 80s, glow in the dark didn't really have a lot going on and bob you can probably well first of all we've got to find out where did your glow in the dark obsession start but (laughs) do you you agree that the 80s were kind of dry for glow in the dark well no actually it wasn't it just wasn't as prominent as you would think so it started with me with like you said before the remco monsters but i had the three and three quarter inch ones Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was it was all five Universal Monsters. I had the Monsterizer. I still have them. They're in one of my DCOMs today. Who is it? It's uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy, Creature, and Phantom. Six. Yeah. Six, right? I'm sorry. So I have all six in a DTOF with my Monsterizer. <laughs> my Frankenstein and Dracula to this day still glow. Nice. blows my mind. And it, it, every time I look at them glowing, it just takes me back to being like three years old living in Florida. Um. So that was my first glow-in-the-dark figures that I can remember. Okay. And I was always, like, obsessed with, like, looking at them and staring at them and making them glow and never scared me. I loved it. But so to, so to kind of go to your question, it really – it wasn't, like, a dry spell because there was stuff that glowed. So you had those monsters. Then there was – all right, this is kind of where it gets a little a little weird. So – you had Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Right before Masters of the Universe, there was a cartoon called Black Star. Yes. Okay. That okay. Failed miserably. Did <laughs> yeah. not last. Then Masters of the Universe came out and they lifted that ban of creating toys based on cartoons. Right. So the Masters toys came out and exploded. Other rival companies were looking at ways of like, how can we capitalize on this? So someone decided to resurrect Black Star. Black Star, I believe, was probably, I mean, if anyone knows otherwise, please correct me in the Needless Things discussion somewhere. But as far as I know, Black Star was the first toy line that incorporate glow-in-the-dark features. They had all the weapons is what glowed on every character. So you had John Blackstar who had like a kind of like a sword type thing, looked like a lightning bolt almost, that glowed in the dark. 
His arch nemesis, his like staff glowed in the dark. All the weapons of the characters glowed in the dark. And that's where it started. Um, so most of the toy lines, like, so we were, we were talking about like masters, masters zero gimmicks. Masters had scare glow. And, and that was the only thing that glowed with it. masters. And then masters had zero gimmicks up until they incorporated slime which I think we're definitely going to have to get into soon. Well, but Masters did have gimmicks because they had the twist at the waist. Yep. Okay, that's true. So, so the action feature was the gimmick. Action okay, features point. will absolutely qualify as gimmicks, I think, for this conversation. That's definitely a good point. You're right yeah. there. And um, and you had Moss Man with his yeah. mo mossy smell and his flocking. <laughs> Stinkor. Um, Stinkor with the horrible patchouli scent. Um and then, of course, you'd go on to things like Thunder Punch He-Man with the caps, which caps, we're going to have to talk about caps, you guys. Oh, yeah. So you got to go back to wave two with uh, Battle Armor He-Man and Skeletor. Right, which was taken from the Hot Wheels line. Crash-ups? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's where that originated, that little drum with the different amounts of damage that would rotate on the toy. So Masters incorporated that Hot Wheels feature into the Masters Universe line and made... I mean, those. that's my favorite He-Man and Skeletor figures. See, all right, real quick, look at this. In a matter of like under 10 minutes, we have circled around to so <laughs> many things, and we are barely scratching the surface. I know. That's what's so crazy yeah. is because we haven't even... Like I said, we're going to have to talk about caps, you guys. Before <laughs> we get on that, let me just finish real quick with the glow-in-the-dark thing. Like, yeah, yeah. What, what, what I love about the glow-in-the-dark with figures is the fact that it's easy. You yeah. can... like If you look at most companies from the 80s on RoboCop and the Ultra Police, um, the Predator line, the alien line, any of those figure lines would just take an existing mold and just swamp thing would take an existing mold already and just remold it and glow in the dark plastic. There's a special edition figure. There's a brand new figure. They did absolutely nothing new to it. Just molded it and glow in the dark plastic and you have a new figure. And usually and has less deco than yeah. the original version. Most of the, the times, it's just straight up in those colors. Right. Maybe the eyes get painted. Yeah, yeah. Something to that effect. Otherwise, it's just straight up. Here's this figure, but now it's you know. But now it's or, spectral or whatever. Exactly, yeah, and <laughs> and yeah. kind of on the same level as that, you can kind of put that clear plastic type feature in there the too. Like I know, like I know the Predator line. The, yeah, translucent plastic. Predator yeah. line did that where they had like the lava glow predator, and it was like. Well, I and I wish I still had this. The last mail in, which okay, let's talk about this. I think that mail away is a gimmick unto itself. Oh, definitely. Because it was a way to take just a figure, but enhance it in a way that wasn't just it's you know, here available at retail or whatever. Here's an extra thing about it. So mail away, I think was a gimmick. The last mail away figure I ever got was Kenner's stealth predator. That was all it was, was one of their standard predator figures from the early nineties or whenever it was, uh, cast in clear plastic and it had, uh, vac metal weapons and a mask. Mm -hmm. nice beautiful it was beautiful great figure i kept it for years and years i have no idea what happened to it now um and again that's one of those examples where they did nothing 
You yeah. didn't have to create yeah. anything new. They and just... there was no paint on it. No paint on it whatsoever. It's just a clear plastic figure with the vac metal weapons. That's it. it was... And how did you get that? Was it like buy five figures, mail the proof of purchase in or something I, to that effect? I think it, I don't even know that it was proof of purchase. I think it was one of the deals where you bought a predator figure and it just had the little uh, the coupon inside the or whatever. Form, right. The form inside and you wrote a check and sent it in. Uh, to, and to if, get it. if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about mail away, a similar deal would be toys that you could buy in the store where you could get one free in a cereal box that gets you started. And for me, it was muscles. You remember the little muscle wrestlers? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yep. Millions in, of unusual small creatures lurking yes. everywhere. And yeah. Nestle Quick. I oh, bought that's a right. Nestle Quick, and that's I where I got my first that. muscle figure. And so it was my favorite one because he smelled like chocolate. That's awesome. <laughs> Which was also a gimmick that was totally unintended. <laughs> right. Unintentional gimmick. Monsters in my pocket did that too. They were endlessly yeah. quick. Yeah. But the monsters in my pocket ones were molded in fluorescent colors that you couldn't get in the regular packs. Oh. So they kind of gave you the incentive. It wasn't, I remember the muscle one that was just straight up like just, it was just, it was just like one, muscle just one of the figures. Yeah. Yeah. Packs, yeah. The monsters in my pocket ones were molded in a fluorescent plastics, oh. and I still have one of them molded in like a, oh, it's like nice. a fluorescent like orange, yeah. And also cereal. Coming back to glow, do you guys remember wacky wall crawlers? Yes. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, who didn't have those? There was a glow in the dark octopus that you could get in a cereal box. Whoa! And that's the first memory that I actually have of knowing the thing was glow in the dark. I had those Remco monsters, but I never really thought about the glow feature. But those glow in the dark octopus wacky wall crawlers, those things were awesome. I would, you know, throw them at the wall and turn the lights out and watch them glow as they. <laughs> fell down the wall and then when that you turn the lights back awesome. on you see all the little greasy spots they left and your mom gets <laughs> yeah. i never noticed that my mom probably did but yeah. I oh, never yeah, for sure yeah because my mom hated that that stuff got banned because not only were there um and this count this counts because these are gimmicks not only were there the wacky wall walkers or crawlers or whatever they were the little octopus guys that were not okay. So they were sticky. They were little octopus guys. They were great. They were stretchy, but they also were hollow. So you could put them on yes. your finger too. Yes. So there were those guys, but then later on, there were the hands on a string. Sticky whippers. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, your dad's sitting at his desk doing his paperwork or whatever, and you sneak in the room. <laughs> you Well, no, <laughs> you you throw the little hand at his paper and yank it off his desk. Uh, <laughs> he gets all mad at you, and a he's double know, mad. A guy I went to school with got expelled for hitting the French teacher in the eye with one of those. I believe. Yeah, I, like, I would hit that stuff. Those were dangerous. <laughs> But yeah, so so sticky and which, by the way, sticky. Not a fan of sticky at this point in my life. But sticky and stretchy, both gimmicks, toy gimmicks, absolutely. And the stretchy started with Stretch Armstrong, which might really can possibly date back to probably one of the very first legit toy gimmicks ever. Would be Stretch Armstrong. I'd buy. What year was that? Was that? Pro probably the like sixties. I want to say, maybe well sixties. Like but then before that, you, I'm sure your wind up stuff predates that by a good day. oh yeah that's it does absolutely, yeah, yeah that's true that's that's another one but that see that's what's so fun about this conversation is as we go on other things because that's what happened with me when i was making my notes 
is I kept thinking of, okay, well, there's this, but then also, well, this counts too. Here's this other thing. Uh, and that was the glow in the dark was the good starting point. It is. So let me ask you guys this real quick. Cause, yeah. cause like we met, we mentioned slime, we mentioned caps, which are all things like we really need to get into. Yeah, but yeah. let me, let, let me ask the three of you this question. What do you think was probably one of the biggest failed gimmicks in toys? Cause I, I, I know exactly what I want to say. That's like a huge failure for oh. gimmicks. But so what do you guys think is a failed gimmick? Okay. I can, th- I can think of one that uh, I wish there had been more of. I'm guessing it was a fail because I didn't see it anywhere else. And I don't what know do what, got? I don't know if it would be called hypercolor, but it was like, you put your thumb or your finger on the sticker. I can't like, like, think it was like a transformer. Something. It would change to something. Else. I remember in, those. Yeah. Transformers and battle beast. very well. I was going to say both, battle beast. Both I don't, used I, that. Um, it was the, the heat sensitive on transformers and i cannot remember what they called it but the, each transformers. transformer well but it had there was a name like there for for the sticker that they used those in um, battle beasts like i wouldn't really fully call that like a gimmick because like those are really just used for you to like identify their like but association but that's what it, it is though it's something but it wasn't the, like but it wasn't the main part of the figure you you could have like all my transformers those were all gone. My battle beasts, those were all gone from playing with them in the tub and stuff. And they just became like cool figures. So it's like, those weren't what the figure was based around. Yeah. But I think it still qualifies as a gimmick because it's something for the kid to interact with beyond it just being an action figure. That's true. So okay. For transformers, it would have the little square with the outline of the Autobot Decepticon symbol. And you had to rub it to find out if it was an Autobot or a Decepticon. And in the Battle Beasts, which in a weird way, and we're not going to get into that now, are part of the Transformers universe, uh, the Battle Beasts had the little symbols on their chest, and it would reveal if they were fire, water, air. It was just three. It was three because it it was rock, paper, scissors. Right. Okay, you're right. But then there was the elusive sun, too. The sunburst came later. Right. So what, 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 it was earth. It's fire, it fire, water, water and, wood. and wood, wood, wood. Right. Right. Okay. And so you would, when you're two kids playing or two or more kids playing with your battle beasts, you, you get them together and you've got one beat, you've got your dolphin guy and you've got your squirrel guy and you have to rub that, which it seems like squirrel is going to be wood and dolphins going to be water, but you don't know because battle beasts are crazy. They were totally <laughs> random too. So you put right, they were. They were completely random, and you put them up against each other, and you have to rub the little transfer, and that's how the gameplay worked. So I mean, it really was the central feature. Even though you know, as as grownups, we look at the the sculpting on these and the artistry of them, and the battle beasts are just fantastic toys. But that was the intention was for them to basically be a game. And game is another gimmick. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When, when uh, an actual mode of play beyond just your imagination or reenacting a cartoon is incorporated where there's actually an intent of, well, this is how you play with these figures. That is also a gimmick in and of itself. Now, granted, I can't think of anything beyond battle beasts right now. Well, there no, there's Bakugan. A lot of the stuff that the kids play with now have things like that, where there are rules of play for the figures. Hero clicks, yeah, Yeah, hero clicks. There were 
years ago there was some kind of you would go into Toys R Us and Target and Walmart and there'd be these big plastic arenas and they're just they just stacked up. They were like styrene and they were spinning, they were like tops. Oh, you'd like put the little guy and like crank it. And then you'd like push the button and he would spin out and they would spin and like crash into each yeah, other. Yeah, they'd fight each other. I can't remember what they were called. But that, and yeah, if you, that's... you go back further than that, Crossbows and Catapults was yes. a game that incorporated yes. little figures in the game. Yeah, you now, built your little castle. Bambi said heat transfers were the failed gimmick. Mine is interacting with a TV set like Captain oh, Power. Yeah, yes. that's a, that's a, yeah, big yeah. One. That is a fantastic one. That's I'm trying to think of one that failed because Captain Power was huge for a very brief amount of time. Like everybody wanted the Captain Power toys because it seemed like such a great idea. And if you can, I think you can find all the episodes on YouTube now. And like the show is pretty adult for its time. I, as a matter of fact, I think it was, I might be wrong about this. J. Michael Straczynski might have written a number of the episodes. He did. Some is that okay? So that's the show was for a kid's show that came on in the afternoon, relatively advanced. It was very violent. That's it, that's part of why it didn't last. The, very the violent, show was the deemed kind of too violent. Storytelling was very adult, but then when you get to the toys, they didn't interact with the show particularly well, and they didn't interact with each other particularly well. And then you had things like laser tag and photon coming along that kind of did a similar thing between kids without involving a TV show. Did Marshall I, Brave Star also have something like that? I was it trying didn't to interact with the TV. The, the infrared was meant to interact between the figures with the yeah, other no, figures. I, okay. I didn't mean with the TV. I just meant that. Right. The, right. Yeah, Brave, Brave Star did have it. Yeah. To, to me, like I think the biggest failed gimmick for me and it kind of goes back to what she said a few minutes ago, but for me, it's straight up holograms and toys, supernaturals, visionaries. These were toy lines that were fully based around their holograms. Didn't make it past the first series because yeah. they just did not sell. And I, I love them. And actually going back to glow in the dark, didn't supernaturals, didn't they have glow in the dark weapons? They had weapons and features like, so supernaturals had full size figures and then little half size, like, imps or dwarves they're like they the little them? things from phantasm yes exactly like that and on those little guys um the hands glowed and their sword glowed okay, i have one on myself okay. i'm looking right at them okay <laughs> but the, but they were based around the holograms so it's like if you didn't look at them especially the supernaturals if you didn't look at them just right you, it was just a black <laughs> just figure, sat so like, there right no one cared like i remember for the longest time those things just sat in like my local kb well especially the little guys the little ghost yeah. guys, oh yeah forever but those toy lines you gotta think because they were striking while the iron was hot because if you remember back in the 80s national geographic would every once in a while do these covers with a hologram on it the one i yep. remember was a skull Ooh, it was, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> it was a huge deal. Like, you know, my my dad had the subscription to National Geographic, so we got all the the issues anyway. But if you remember, like, Entertainment Tonight was talking about this holographic skull on the front of National Geographic. Like, that's how big a deal this was. And so, at, I believe after their first hologram issue these toy lines kind of happened as a thing 
And you got to think whoever put him because Visionaries was Hasbro, Supernaturals was who was Supernatural? No, Tonka was Supernaturals. I believe so. Visionaries was um, it was Hasbro because it was Hasbro they, because they they're, came they're out. literally GI Joe figures, just like right. double sized GI Joes. And right, they were large, the but they had the same articulation, like larger than that. They're exactly the and, same. Figure. And actually, sitting right next to me right now is this massive box set of Hasbro properties that got melded together for Comic Con. It's Transformers, GI Joe, Visionaries, uh, Rom. And they're all done as GI Joe style figures. Uh, it's incredible. But anyway, to go back to the holograms, you got to think they were just like, let's get these out. Let's get some hologram toys out on the market while this is a thing. I doubt the expectations were for them to be long running toy lines. And I think that happened a lot in the eighties where, you know, these toy lines come out and we're going to talk about a lot of them now, but, uh, you know, I honestly wonder if the people behind them expected them to go past one series. I, th I don't think you plan for them to not make it. I, I mean, don't think you plan for them to fail, but I also don't know that like, oh, this is a cool, this, this, uh, is a great idea. And this in humanoids thing. This is awesome. We've got a cartoon. We've got a, we've got a line of toys. You know, if, when it doesn't work, we'll go on to the next thing. You know, I, I, mean, I don't you know, like. I, I think they always want it to succeed. Like to me, and, and I just thought of another another huge failure in toys was the Infaceables. I don't know what that is. Oh my god, these that are these... rings a bell. But I so so the whole thing with Infaceables was you had one figure. So like, I think one one of the main characters, the hero, he was like he had a man's face and this big mane of hair. And the whole thing was they, their faces changed. You'd pull a lever on his back and the skin on his face would like suck in. Oh, and it would make his face look like That's a lion. Awesome. But they did not work. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. horrifying. <laughs> they're, I mean, Google it and like, or like YouTube it. Like they're on YouTube. Like they're pretty cool looking. Like, but they just don't work. And the toy line just failed so bad. Here's here's my pick for uh, it's not failed gimmick it's failed toy line, mm -hmm. uh, Power Lords. That's a that's a that but that's a good that, gimmick too because just it, so it poorly is. executed. So Power Lords, imagine I you know I'm sitting here, and then I stand up and turn around and on my back I'm an alien. Like that's the whole gimmick of Power Lords. Well, it's no, Dave, literally design, just Dave, the back of the figure. We're going to well, design didn't your they power spin Lord at right the waist? They, yeah, well, like it spun at the waist, but then like the arms had like like the typical shoulder and elbow articulation, but the elbow articulation went totally both ways. So when you right, spun right. him at the waist, the elbows can then go the other way. So the hands looked like he had so you would have the human hand, but then you could see the alien fingers sticking out of the back of it. And the 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 figure, the human figure face, there's just an alien face on the back of the head. Like there's no nothing's concealed. You literally, if you just sort of look around to the side, you're like, oh, this can you just turn it around? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, literally all it was. It was yeah, the horrible. only difference is the feet faced in one direction and the knees faced in one uh, direction. That's why the rest like a button you'd press on his waist and like the waist when he would spin like 180. And you'd get the other side with the feet facing the proper way. It was horribly poorly executed. And the whole line didn't do that. It was like, 
the rest of the, the rest of them were straightforward figures, except for like him. Well, so they, they, so they all executed the, the aliens were, and, and look, I, I highly recommend there's a great YouTube channel called toy galaxy. That's a great channel. Oh, it's fantastic. This guy does deep dives into, to the toy lines of the past. He's got a great power Lords episode that I recently watched, which is why this came up. Me too. Uh, and, uh, he, he really goes into the whole line, but it's one of those things I remember as a kid, I was scared of them. They were so, because the, the monster designs were so creepy and the fact that they were growing out of the back of this dude was just horrifying. You see, Dave, right now, in the, the, the creator in the room, that it's probably two people arguing over who is going to get to make their figure. And they're like, eh, we'll just, you know, compromise. We'll do both. <laughs> you do the back, I'll do the front. As they both take a hit of acid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, I think a lot of illicit substances went into some of the toy lines we'll end up discussing tonight. See, Dave, well, right now we can design your power Lord. You, you right now you're just Dave. you got your face on, you got your t-shirt sure, on, sure. you hit that button on your waist. You spin around, you got your, your metallic purple jacket on your mm. Mexican wrestling mask. Mm. Is on. Yeah, that, yeah. That's your power Lord. Dave. I'd go for One that. Glitter. I'd go for that. Yeah. <laughs> lots of glitter. There's going to be glitter. Wasn't there a Kickstarter to redo Power Lords recently? Well, they actually, uh, the Four Horsemen actually produced new Power Lords figures a few years ago. Uh, They did like one wave of them and then couldn't get enough support for a second wave. But yeah, there are new Power Lords figures out there. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what the market is right now, but they, they managed to produce some of them. And before we get too far away from the uh, the hologram figures, and we were talking about um, uh, heat transfer or whatever. No, not heat transfer. The holograms. The I'm blanking on the names of visionaries, um, supernaturals. Yes, similar to that, but more modern. I think they came out in the '90s. There were those figures that had uh, a face that would have um, like the. It's not quite an LED. But it was like a little computer thing that oh, Tron movie Tron. did it recently. Yeah, it's so cool. But they had two different ones in the 80s or uh, early 90s. Um, yeah. Something Command. Uh, I know what you're talking e- about, and I can't an remember. Eagle now. One. I, I want to say one of them. I don't know if the character was Eagle One or the line was Eagle One. Uh, but there were two different lines that were super similar, and you would press buttons on their chest to make their faces animate i am looking at uh figurerealm.com which is your best resource for like every kind of toy information you might want to know i don't and only half of it's inaccurate <laughs> yeah 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 well <laughs> but it's like anything on the internet it's a good starting point uh the only eagle on there is eagle force i know what you're talking about and i feel like they were big in kb toys they were one of those lines that were in KB for years. That sat in the bins until the end of KB. I really think the character was Eagle One that was in both lines. And it was, oh man, I cannot remember the line. I had one of those figures relatively recently and it did not work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the hazard of anything that incorporates electronics, which yeah. we'll talk about. Uh, and actually, real quick, I want to mention... Uh, actual mechanics in toys uh we talked about 
wind up toys I, I mentioned earlier, and I can't remember if it was dirt while we were recording or before we were recording. I think it was before, but like the, I've got a little wind up toy. It's a nun and you wind her up and she walks and spits sparks out. Oh, that's cool. It's great. <laughs> so it, well, and sparks a whole other gimmick. Yes. And I Ooh, actually, fired toys. Well, I still have, <laughs> The old Toy Biz Marvel, not Marvel Legends, but prior to Marvel Legends, Toy Biz had their line of Marvel figures. I've got a human torch figure that you pull a string in his back and he sparks. Was that the same line with the invisible woman that got so crazy expensive in the 90s? Yes. Yes. Same line. line. It was was basically the line that Toy, because Toy Biz had the 1989 Batman they, they yeah. did, did, I think, three figures for Batman, and then Kenner took it over. Um, and then they did the DC Comics figures, and then after they lost that license, they went on to do X-Men and Spider-Man and Marvel in general. They launched... Uh, I can't remember what the first Marvel figures there were, but they were just like Punisher and Doctor Doom. They're five I, I can, I can rattle them off right now, because that whole line is a, just a full gimmick in and of itself. Because Very underappreciated. Every figure was its own thing. Captain America had the launching shield. Silver Surfer had the motorized surfboard. Spider-Man had the suction cups on his hands. Yes. Doctor Doom had interchangeable hands and didn't for it weapons. spin or something? On Doom, yeah, if you crank the hand, it spun. Yeah. You had the Hulk who like you squeeze his legs and his arms would like pull in, make it look like he was bending a bar. Yeah. You had Mr. Fantastic, you could like pull his limbs out. Venom had the slime you put the slime in his back push a button it shot out of his chest not to be you confused had, with the i want to eat your brains talking venom which that came talking a little figures, later a whole other thing that came a little later there was in, the invisible invisible woman. woman was uh colored it changed invisible when you put it underwater in water. with water yeah um and that's another big gimmick that a lot of toys used was like the the change of the color thing but that whole marvel line those first like two or three waves of those before they before they went like into the X-Men and the Spider-Man cartoon lines, those first, like two, I, I think it only lasts like two or three waves. Those are pure gimmicks. Every single Punisher, figure is its own thing. The Punisher, Punisher had the cat, cat firing. Gun? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For me, none of those could hold a candle to the first ones that started all that, which was the superpowers line where you would squeeze the legs and yeah. the arms would punch. You'd squeeze yeah. the arms and the Power legs would kick. They, superpowers they were based on a gimmick and yeah. that was the superhero line that started gimmicks and superhero toys and approximately i'll say three and three quarter inch even though the superpowers were taller they're but, about uh, that though it's but funny that, because three and three quarter inch like every brand that makes them they're meant to be the same height but they're all different superpowers well, star wars like none just of them- the supposed six inch scale like there is one line of true one twelfth scale toys, and that's Mezco's one twelfth collective. Everything else that's six in, six six inch scale, which by the way, that's not a scale; that's a <laughs> measurement. Um, Marvel Legends, Star Wars Black Series, um, those things are all different sizes. Uh, DC Universe Classics, uh, the WWE figures, like those are all we think of them as sort of like, oh, that's about the same size of figure, but they're all wildly different and completely incompatible. 
Yeah, and let's I include agree. Mythic Legions in that list. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mythic Legions don't... Well, and the funny thing about Mythic Legions is they're by the Four Horsemen, so you'd think they would scale with Masters of the Universe Classics at least. Nope. Well, they scale with them. You just have to understand that all of the figures from the Mythic Legions, part of that, aren't quite the same height. <laughs> well, at one point, and I love... Speaking of YouTube channels... um, Scott Knightlick, who ran Masters Universe Classics and DC Universe Classics for Mattel, has a YouTube channel called Spector Creative. Uh, it's fantastic. Great look behind the scenes of the toy industry. We but, finally got an answer to Wonder Bread He-Man. Yes, yes, he did. Well, sort of. I don't. I still don't know that that's definitive, but I feel better about it personally. <laughs> but way back in the day, Scott Knightlick threw it out there that the reason the Masters Universe Classics figures that were six-inch scale figures, according to Mattel, were so much larger than anything else is because, well, He-Man and that on Eternia, people are just bigger. It's like, okay, I'll accept that because it, it, this is what it was, and it, this just came back to me. Uh, it was at the time that they were releasing the DC versus Masters two-packs that actually got to retail, so you could go to Toys R Us and buy He-Man figures again. Uh, and they were explaining the reason that He-Man he was so much bigger than Superman. And he said, well, people on Eternia are larger. <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of his... <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, those Masters of the Universe Classics figures, well, the ones that were available at Toys R Us are a little bit of an exception, but the ones that were only available through Matty Collector have gone through the roof in price. Yeah. I cannot get a trap jaw. Forget it. I mean, they're just way mm -hmm. too expensive. Mythic Legions put out a figure called Cronow, who's a four horseman tribute to Trapjaw. I'm looking at him right now. So he's now the Trapjaw of my Masters of the Universe Classics collection because I can't afford Trapjaw. <laughs> and yeah. he's a cool figure. Yeah, he's great. Well, and they've done that's one of the things that's going on with which for the listeners, if you're not familiar with Mythic Legions, it's basically the four horsemen doing their thing. Like doing this Dungeons is, and Dragons style, right? Uh, you know, sword and sorcery figures. But they I release figures that are sort of tributes to Masters of the Universe characters, and they did this one that's Trap Jaw. I've got the Panthor, which yeah, is so they're the kitty cats. Yes, uh, exactly. It, it's it's a uh, it's basically what's the word I'm looking for? It's Panthor upright, like it's a cat human, human form. Yeah, humanoid. yes, yes. Uh, and they've done, they also did Battle Cat. They just recently released Hordak and She-Ra. Like, they did a not... Mothman, too, right? And Stinkor? Yes, Mothman they... and Stinkor just recently came out. And, of course, they're not Mothman and Stinkor, but they are figures that when you look at them, if you were a fan of Masters of the Universe, you're like, whoa, that's Mothman and Stinkor. I am not familiar with those two. I know He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, uh, Evil-In, Trap-Jaw, um, Battle Cat, Panthor, uh, She-Ra and Hordak, but I didn't know they did Mossman and Stinkor. Yeah. Mossman, Stinkor. What was the, wasn't there like one more? They, those just recently, like within the last two weeks, were made. Oh available. wow! Yeah, so yeah. I haven't done Scareglow yet. That's it. Feels like that would be the one. Well, and Scareglow is such an easy one because it's literally just like yeah. well, let's put a glow in the dark skeleton deco on this guy. Yeah, they've already got skeletons in that's, their yeah, in that's their true. stuff. It seems like they yeah, could just. Well, 
I wonder, make one glow. Yeah. Yeah. Slap on some glow in the dark paint. There you and go. And there was a skeleton in with those, but I feel like I would have noticed if it glowed in the dark. But anyway, uh, we love scare glow. We love glow in the dark. I want to talk about mechanics, okay. mechanisms, mechanical things in toys. Mm-hmm. Starting with wind up, I guess. Well, starting with wind up, but the first thing that I remember having, I think it was by Remco, but I'm not positive. It was a Spider-Man and it was in a fixed position. He had his arm above his head and he came with a string <laughs> and he would climb like it was like a zip line. Yeah. But he also, I think, had a line that came out of his hand that he would climb up. Like a like tape I measure, think, kind of rolling back in is basically what that technology I was. think he did both of those things. I think he would climb up the web and that he had the little zip line and go up and down the web. And if I'm correct, there was a green goblin that was compatible with him. That sounds right to me, but I don't know because I was like five. I'm not sure that he, I never had either one of them. And I don't know if the green goblin had a different gimmick, but I kind of remember there being a green goblin as well. Well, on the girl's side, I don't know how old it was because just my my history, uh, all of our toys, me and my brothers, when we were kids, we, we didn't come for money. (laughs) So my mom would get our toys from like flea markets. So we had just the widest variety of toys. Some of them were just ancient toys. Some of them might be newer. I mean, it just, we never knew what we'd get. But I had a My Little Pony. I'm assuming it was My Little Pony because it looked like My Little Pony. But you would crank its head. It sounded like you're popping its neck. And it would make the tail. <laughs> yeah, was it a chiropractor figure? Yeah, it's like you go crank, 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 crank. But then the tail would just spin and it would stand on its like high legs and kind of like spin around. You're like winding it up and then you yeah. sit it down and it does all that. Right. But it looked really old when I had it. But, uh, you know, again, I don't know how old it actually was. I don't know how old My Little Ponies were, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I always think 80s, but it seems like they're older. The early I, feel ones like, older. I feel like they're right around the same time as G.I. Joe. I feel like yeah, they're, they are. 80, they're like 82, 83. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I can't find that, this. They had a similar one where you would pull its tail, <laughs> yank it out of it, and it'd be like, I mean, I'm sure it was probably really short, but to, as a kid, it felt like it was a foot long, you know, because everything was huge when I was a kid. And you'd crank its neck again to pull the tail back to regular. I don't oh. understand. You just yanking it into a horse's tail. And well, I think it was it was like you were giving it a haircut or styling it or something, right? I don't maybe it was the thing was like it seemed like it was making it its tail is growing longer, but you know, as a kid, you just yank it and pull it out. Yeah. yeah. That one sounds familiar for some reason. I can't remember what it was though, but that does sound very familiar. That reminds me of an early mechanized toy from the sixties talking GI Joe, where you would pull the string and this is sixties GI Joe, not a real American hero where you'd pull the string and there was, uh, uh, basically a spooled, it was almost like a record, but it was a spool inside. Right. When you'd pull the string out, the spool would wind itself back up over a record needle or similar to a record needle that was pressed up against this thin piece of plastic. And you could hear G.I. Joe say six or eight different phrases, depending on how far out you pulled the string. And then that, that ended up coming back in the 80s 
with Matt with a uh, Matchbox when they made the Talking Freddy Krueger doll, the Talking Beetlejuice doll, Ed Grimley, Ernest, Pee-wee even G.I. Joe, Real American Pee-wee Hero. Herman, yeah, Pee-wee. Yeah. What were the Real American Heroes that that talked? They had that giant backpack. Oh, the Sonic Sonic, Sonic Blasters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those those were ninety or ninety one or something like that. They were a little bit later in the line. And then and you I mentioned remember before, when... and then you mentioned before the Venom. So like Marvel Comics ended up doing that too. And that was another kind of like failed gimmick to me. Was like like the like the talking like like the talking GI Joe because that was like the tail end of it when it was really starting to fade out a little bit. It was like the oh, box no. on the especially on the shows, it I, was huge. I disagree with that because. Uh, the 1960s military G.I. Joe had talking G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe went on into the 70s with the uh, adventure team. They had talking adventure team commander. So you had the military guys talking like G.I. Joe started in 64 and ran through 76 ish with the 12 inch scale before Super Joe, uh, which was like nine inch. So you had 64 for your start date, but talking GI Joe was like 66. So they still had almost 10 years of well, Joe. Oh after yeah, no. When I say talking. failed, I mean like like when, when like the real American Hero line did it with the like, oh, like the yeah. Sonic fighters, or whatever. Like that's when like well, when like, me, like the GI Joe line was kind of like fizzling out a little bit. When, when I was a, when I was a kid or when I was younger or whatever, um, I liked sound features when they were incorporated into the toy or the figure. But if it was an additional thing, like a backpack or something that I put on the figure to make it talk or mm-hmm. whatever, that lost me. I, I yeah. was less interested at that point. So the like GI Joe ones were enormous too. Yeah, yes. they were huge. They were, they were preposterous. There was no but way like, like the, there's no way like Duke is going to run around with that really on his back. Yeah. <laughs> like running into battle. There's no way. But you would like, say, the Empire Strikes Back snow speeder where you press the button and the cannons light up and it yes. pew, 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 pew. Well, and that stuff, <laughs> those Star Wars, look, I loved that TIE fighter that had the sound, which, granted, if you, if for the listeners, if you'd like to go back and watch Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, you'll never hear a TIE fighter go, <laughs> but that's basically the sound that the toy tie fighter made that came out. And then the little red light yes. that lights up. And th- what's funny is that's not where the, the <laughs> fire comes from on a tie fighter. It doesn't come from right under the cockpit in the middle, like that original tie fighter toy. They come out of the sides. But when I was a kid, the fact that I could press that button and that little red light bulb lit up and the toy went, eh, <laughs> It was great and i think blew your mind it was great same thing with the x-wing the x-wing toy has a little bulb right at the front of the nose that's not where the lasers come from yeah they have very clearly defined laser guns on the wings too right but that's not where the lights are because that would have been too expensive exactly and it made the same kind of like buzzing noise rather than any kind of like pleasant laser noise but i loved it it was great well, what was even better, and while we're on Star Wars, the the and I can't remember what they call it, but it finally became official with the Mandalorian that troop transport. Oh yeah, thing. The tr- that's I think that's literally what it is. Just the yeah, troop that's transport. exactly what it's called. 
Well, when you pressed one of six buttons, it was actually an audio clip from the movie. See, I didn't have that one because there were two different versions of that toy. Uh, there was one version that I believe was a Sears exclusive. And I think that, and, and look, listeners, feel free to correct me in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group or hit us up on Twitter or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think the Sears version had the electronics in it. The version that I had when I was a kid, the hatch where the batteries went for the electronics was just storage. There was nothing there. The I think hatch you're right. still came off, but it was just empty. Well, there was a there was a compartment even in the one with the sounds. Well, no, this is so you open the back up and it's hollow inside. Right. And I think that's the same on both of them. Oh, you, there was like a little red battery cover on the but top. Mine, mine was gray, and there were oh. no battery terminals or anything. It was just this thing that was confusing as to why it was even there. Well, did they have the... What about the area where the buttons were? I don't know. I, I'm not sure, because in my head, I can remember uh, that hatch... But I don't know where the buttons even would have been because I didn't have that version. Were they? Oh, it was right next so, to the hatch. So there was at towards the front. There was the swiveling cannon. Yep. And then the hatch was here, so the buttons were just in the middle there. Yeah, there were. It, they I, surround. I my memory is they surrounded the cannon. It was six oh. buttons that made like a circle. Uh, one of them was a stormtrooper, and they had pictures of what sound it would make. So there was a picture of a stormtrooper. There was a sticker that was a picture of a stormtrooper. Oh, wow. And you press that button, it said, there's one set for stun. That was my favorite one. And then there was one that had a picture of R2-D2, one that had a picture of C-3PO, uh, one that had a picture of a blaster, and I don't remember what the other two were. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, my I I'd had none of that. And I don't know if... Mine was the Sears one, or if the electronic one was the Sears one, but it's one or the other. There were two different versions of this transport. It uh, could be a, a, a year thing. Like maybe the first version had the electronics, and then they thought we can sell just as many of these <laughs> without it. And so, like for Empire Strikes Back, they released the thing again just without the electronics. I I want to know now. <laughs> what the Are deal is i'm i'm looking this up uh i wish i could just hit rebelscum.com but it's so hard to look stuff up on there okay the story of the vintage kenner troop transport i am here boy there are a lot of words on this page i <laughs> don't think uh okay yeah, there's way too much to read here, but there we're correct. There were two versions, and I do not know. Okay, the next motivation was purely business. Kenner had a relationship with the Ozen Sound Company who made talking devices for many toys, such as talking dolls. Kenner wanted to maintain that relationship within the Star Wars line. They were to literally design a toy around the sound device which the official site describes as a speaker cone atop a stack of six small plastic records. Wow, that's crazy. But I don't see, I cannot immediately find what the differences were. 
or which one was offered where. But uh, but anyway, there were two dif- two different versions. Listeners, I encourage you to research this yourselves when you're not <laughs> recording a live podcast. <laughs> well, this you makes know, like me think said, of... There's like another earlier. gimmick with the Star Wars X-Wing and TIE Fighter. The TIE Fighter, you'd press the buttons on the side and make the yeah. uh, wings shoot off. So one gimmick in toys is the toy self-destructing. Yes. And uh, yes. That, the, the failed toy that goes with that would be, was it called Manglore, where you'd take him apart and put him back Manglors. together, but that, you could never line, put him back together? That is a line that is very near and dear to my heart. I had probably 100 Manglores as a kid. Um, I constantly look on eBay for Manglores just because like, I want one so bad again. And the materials may have just does not hold up. Um, yeah, the whole gimmick of Manglore was you were you're able to rip it apart and it would he would stick back together again, and it did kind of work. The parts did stick together again, but then kind of just fell apart again. So like, once you ripped it apart, it was garbage. That's why they were like three bucks. <laughs> okay, I want to throw out really quick, since you're mentioning toys that are meant to self-destruct. Uh, I want to throw out a toy line that lasted longer than anyone could have possibly imagined it would. The crash test dummies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. What a fantastic and, and possibly the gimmickiest toy line of all time. Each of the figures fell apart, exploded, whatever. And then they had cars and vehicles. I think there was a lawnmower that would <laughs> self-destruct. Like when you pressed a button, everything would fall apart. The cool thing too is like, so say you had like your, and it was kind of creepy because they made like a dog, like the child, like the oh, man right. and the woman one. But, but the, the cool thing about those is like you popped them apart and they would explode. You could interchange the pieces. You didn't have to put them back together the way that like you bought like the Larry action figure. You so could you can easily, make a man with little kid limbs. Kind of, yeah. yeah, but it's creepy <laughs> that they made like. They made, you know, kids and there was a dog that would like flatten out like or put the it, man head on the dog. You I think you could. Like it got a little <laughs> that line got a little creepy. If you really that look dark. into that line, that's a but pretty what a, fucked up line of figures, actually. What a great <laughs> and it's all based on a public service. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I was it like, was literally it a, a PSA person? where they were it was a seatbelt PSA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was, uh, life's tough if you're a dummy and it was about put your seatbelt on and they they would have these crash test dummies who would be like, you know, Hey Larry, here, here we are again. Uh, What was it? Larry. And I, there were two Lenny and Larry, Lenny and Larry Larry. and be like, Hey Lenny, we're here again. Yep. All right, here we go. And then the commercial ends with them smashing into a wall and like a Chevy Nova or whatever it was, uh, and then the incredible crash dummies toy line came out of this PSA bizarre. It's almost like if they put out a toy cooking set based on the, this is your brain on drugs PSA. Who owned the rights? Like who made the money off of that? Right. That's well, the, and that's weird. That's, and I bet there's a toy galaxy episode uh, on YouTube about that. And if there's not, there will be at some point because th- those people are on top of their game. Uh, so light, we've, we've already hit lights and cause star Wars, we have the tie fighter, which had self-destruct. It had lights. It had sound. It had three gimmicks in one. And then later on, they added Bart, uh, Bambi, you mentioned mm-hmm. battle damage, 
Well, they went beyond just the wings popping off. You, They would actually include stickers that yeah. you would put on. This was a later TIE Fighter mm-hmm. release to look like battle damage. And that was a Same whole with the X-Wing. thing. Yeah, the X-Wing as well. There was a Dagobah well. X-Wing to look like it was dirty right. from like right. the Swamp of Dagobah. So that's a whole other thing is decals that, you know, because in the 80s, toys, you, you would get a a toy that came in a box and it would be in pieces and you'd have to put them together and then you'd have to put the stickers on the toy. Nowadays you buy a toy vehicle and you open the box and it's just there. Like there's no assembly. There are no stickers to put on. It's not fun at all. Back when we were kids, it was like a model almost. Um, (laughs) Hey, you say that now, but Dave, so I just, I just recently picked up, I got into the police Academy action figures. Don't ask me why. And I, I bought need, mint I don't and need box. to ask because it's Police Academy. Yeah. It's a 30-year-old like a crazy it's cycle. A toy line it. based on our R-rated, a hard R-rated movie. Yeah. And RoboCop. So I, I, so I, I want to be on um, that show. Phantom, I want to be on that show when you do toys based on R-rated movies. Gosh, you're yeah, right. I, I I'm writing that. that down uh-huh. right now because we have to do that. I want it on that too, please. Yeah, but yeah. So, but so I bought I got like the motorcycle from the police Academy toy line. And I guess I never like appreciated like my, my, like my parents put this up together because like with my adult hand trying to put this motorcycle together and put these little tiny decals on was highly like, Oh, it's so stressful. Yeah. So stressful. I've cause recently I've, uh, you know, GI Joe has the retro line that they're doing right now. And they did yeah. the, the his tank, the awe striker, and the most disappointing vehicle in the history of toys, the new Fang. <laughs> but putting the stickers on those is one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. Because when you're a kid, you're like, I want these stickers to be in the right place. And then they're not. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but and then when you you're an adult, and you ruin them and you try to force them back on and then you just lose yeah, the Yeah, you've got the clear, especially with G.I. Joe, they're those clear, they're really nice clear stickers Yeah, that as soon as your finger touches it, it's less sticky. So you have yeah. to really carefully just handle the edges and put it in the <laughs> and you right got your spot. thumbprint on it. Yeah, yeah your stupid yeah. thumbprint is underneath <laughs> the, the not a step sticker. Uh, very stressful. Very stressful. All right, we got it. We got, but we're not here to talk about stickers. Which I guess that'll be another episode. Do I need? Do I need to write that down? Toy stickers? Is that an episode? Uh, Just stickers in general. Man, I can go on about scratch and sniff all day. So we talked about (laughs) we've talked about action features, which Masters of the Universe uh, had plenty. I want something. I want to debate with you guys. Is vac metal a gimmick? It depends on how it's used. That's when you have like uh, a metal coating, like R2-D2's dome on the figure. It looks like metal. Oh, chrome. Yeah, that was going to be more things. Like chrome. Like like I said at the top of the show, like in the G.I. Joe line, especially like the first two or three waves, nothing special. They were just the standard action figures. Right. And then you had Destro with that chrome head. Of all the figures of those first couple waves, if you just look at them all like you stand them all up on the shelf, who's going to stand out more to you? Yeah, Striker or Destro with that chrome head? Yeah, you're right. Destro does stand out, and that is a gimmick to make him something extra. And he stood extra. out because of yeah. that. So looking back, we have obviously Destro, but then in Transformers, you have the vac metal weapons 
Yeah. And they all had it. They all right. had something. Um, and then. And GoBots, too. GoBots, Masters of the Universe. You have Hurricane Hordak. There's yeah. a Ninja Turtles foot soldier that I found online. I'm like, I can't find it for sale anyway, but apparently they released a foot soldier just like the classic foot soldier, but all chrome. Like they the same colors. The foot soldier, all four turtles. I want to oh. say there's a shredder. They're oh. they were like special oh. editions. But even back in the original <laughs> line, you had Metalhead. Yeah, that Metalhead had metal chrome. parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He was cool. Well, that foot soldier was in the original line. Well, not the, not the, uh, not the, it wasn't wave one. one, not the chrome one. The, the yeah, regular it wasn't wave one, but it was the original line. The original, oh, was like it? the normal foot soldier, yeah, but not the VAC metal one. Like the, the metal yeah. one, they were special editions. Yeah. Because oh, it was yeah. the turtles too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I was a huge, uh, Probably the earliest ones I had were C-3PO and then R2-D2 with his chrome, like you said, Reiki, uh, or the dome. What about Micronauts See, with the I chrome never, heads? I weren't they metal, have, though? Uh, no, I think they were vac metal, weren't they? Well, there were two different styles of Micronauts. Some of the Micronauts were made out of metal. The Time Traveler was clear plastic with a vac metal head. So you had the time travelers that were basically the same articulation as G.I. Joe, plus their wrists moved around and their ankles moved around. Uh, And those were clear, either clear white, clear yellow, clear uh, orange, or clear blue with a silver vac metal head. Or you had the other Micronauts, uh, three and three quarter inch, that were made out of metal with a plastic head that was vac metal. Uh, and and hands that were plastic and feet that uh, and some of them well all their hands were plastic and some of the feet were metal. Did Bullet Man come before them? Oh yeah, Bullet, Bullet Man. Man was, he had a chrome. He had a chrome uh, helmet. chrome helmet and chrome arms, and that was like seventy. Well, Micronauts would have been before him. That was like seventy five, something like that. But you know what? You bring up something really interesting. Diecast now. When you think of diecast, you think of like Hot Wheels and Matchbox or whatever, and that I right. wouldn't really consider that a gimmick. But when you incorporate it into action figures like Transformers oh. or Bionic Six, Bionic Six, Six is a good example. Yeah, right. like, like, that you have, old guys. Eagle Force, Eagle Force, Eagle yeah, Force. Eagle Force. So it's see, funny how Eagle so- Force. I wouldn't consider diecast a gimmick because that's just what? how they're that's made. what they're made out of. What about those ones, the magnets that the, the people you put them together? It's like the joints were magnets, but they were metal. Well, Micronauts did that. Is that Micronauts? Uh, Micronauts had a horse and a dude that were, there the was a horse balls. and a dude in white and a horse and a dude in black. That is what I'm Bar- Baron Baron Carza, was that one of yes. them? Yes. Okay. Yes. And Force Commander was the one in white. Baron okay. Carza was the one in black. And you could take the torso up from the dude and put it on the horse, like take the Centaur. horse and it connected with magnets and you could take the arms off. You could take the legs off. You could mix and match parts from the four different figures together, but that had uh, magnets that allowed you to connect yeah. pieces together. And so magnets if you want to talk, whole, if you want to talk interchangeability, then, then you can easily talk about Modulock for the master yes. of the universe line. Modulock That's such an amazing and- thing. Who who was the follow up to Modulock? They did another one, Multibot. Roboto or something. Multibot. Something. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Multibot was, and you could combine Multibot with Modulock. And let me just tell you, 
those figures hung around Lionel Play World for years after Masters of the Universe died. Those that box, I remember seeing that box forever on the shelf. And I wish I'd bought every single one of them because I'd be selling them for like a hundred bucks <laughs> a piece now. I buy Modulock pieces any toy show I go to. If someone has pieces, I buy them. Well, I just our, make some big, creepy, David Cronenberg-looking monster. Our friend of the show, Bo Brown, bought multiple Masters Universe Classics Modulock so that he could make a crown out of Modulock to wear on his own head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is the coolest fucking thing I have ever heard in my right? life. Right? <laughs> Holy shit. So we're... This is going to, we are going to have to do follow up episodes on this, no doubt, because there are so many other toy gimmicks to talk about. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about yet light piping. Yes. What's that? Stan? You love light piping. Is that like the light up Legos or something? Light they piping did have Legos. Is when there is translucent plastic that goes from the top of a toy to a feature on the toy. For instance, uh, the Jawas. Oh, is that what makes their eyes light up? If you right. shine a light into it? So if you put them oh, under yes. a light, it looks like their eyes light up. Right. Uh, and dark the, side. Dark side dark had that side in the superpowers super line. That, yep. The Inhumanoids mm -hmm. all used this. The large monsters have clear plastic in the top of their heads and it makes it look like their eyes or tendril his fangs or tendrils light up uh and then on the human figures their helmets have the clear plastic in the top so they look like they light up uh light piping very simple but six million dollar man that's what i was trying to remember i was like Isn't that yes like yes and uh the gi joe equivalent uh atomic man atomic light man. power yeah yeah yeah, well, clear arm too, and, all and to go back to real well, actually, okay, R2D2. Also, the original R2D2 had light piping. I didn't realize that he had the clear in the top, and his eye lit up. It made it look, or it made it look like his eye lit up. The top, the three and three quarter inch scale one. Yes, I don't remember that. I don't remember the original, like the original one doing that. What? I know the later ones did, but I don't remember like the original line doing I that. It was just a chrome head on the original one, and then later it was. His little sensor, and then later on, it was the the lightsaber that popped lightsaber. out. Lightsaber. Okay, so maybe the light piping didn't come until later. That was like Power of the Force line, I think, like the newer Power maybe, of the Force. Yeah, line. maybe that was ninety five when the line came back. Is when the they, first they one put did the light not, but eventually they did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He definitely had it at some point. Just I, it wasn't in the original. Well, like now I'm thinking the original. Line. Now I'm thinking the original Jawas didn't have it either. I think that was just they didn't. They were just later. painted on. Yeah. I knew what Jawa yeah. had it. I thought it was the Power of the Force 2 line of Jawas that had yeah, it. Yeah, that yeah, one, I think yeah, you're right. I think you're right. They were a two-pack, and they both had it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the original 12-inch Jawas did have those kind of jeweled eyes that would glow if you hit them with a flashlight. Oh, like super sparkly or whatever they were. And it, 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 wasn't, really, so it wasn't really sparkly. It was more like a clear Lego piece. Oh, like really? Like a gem or something, yeah. Oh, that's if you cool. hit it. If you hit it with a flashlight just right, or if the light in the room hit it just right, they would glow. Light piping would have been great on those, though. Well, the I think that was a little too advanced for for like for like seventy seven. Well, and also they had the soft goods. Uh, that too, right? on. Yeah. So what do you, you pull back there? That that wouldn't have worked. That's true. But um, 
Yeah, yeah light piping was it, it's something fun. It's something that when used correctly can look really, really cool. Uh, very simple. Uh, and like Bambi was just saying, sparkly. Uh, so like that. you take something <laughs> like uh, clear plastic filled with glitter. Oh, there we go. <laughs> my well it's not they're not clear plastic but like my favorite dalek's are the glitter ones i have the the, the but you're my little pony the, the yeah little i had pony. a clear you know what twilight actually did that the playmate star trek line did that they made them look at they were phasing that's right so so they molded oh. them in like like a like a blue plastic and they put glitter in it so oh, they looked cool. like they were in the middle of like phasing yeah it was they, like a super bouncy ball that would be <laughs> have glitter inside oh that man look those were great yeah, those yeah. were fantastic. So, okay, the Transporter series from Star Trek The Next Generation, which, yes, by the those. way, Playmates Star Trek The Next Generation line, wildly underrated. You can get them for nothing, and I don't understand why people aren't jumping on these, but the Transporter series, weren't they, like, half-decoed? Like, from the waist up, they were painted like regular figures, but from yeah, the waist down... Yeah, and they came down, with a base that you pushed the they button... They were the believe. glittery, clear plastic, right? And the base would light up and make the sound, right. and you would see it, and that was like... Yeah, 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 yeah. It, give you the effect of them, like, phasing out. Such a great effect. And they actually had the transporter playset where you would put the figure in the transporter, and it, was, it worked similarly actually to the old star trek mego bridge playset, where you would turn the thing but in this one the playmates version had a mirror in it oh nice. so when you turned it it looked like the and it would have a, like a light and sound effect and then it would look like the figure disappeared inside the transporter playset. yeah that's which cool. playsets whole other episode yes <laughs> yeah what was uh, so we've talked that- about motorized toys we've talked about toys with magnets but we have not yet talked about motorized toys with magnets. And this was one of the first when Bob, when you brought this up to me, uh, there were a couple of lines in the eighties that were so overbearingly based around gimmicks. And the one I'm thinking of is Starcom. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Where the, they had magnets and you would place the magnetic figure on the vehicle and it would activate a motorized mechanism where the vehicle would open up or transform in some way. And yeah, those figures were like an inch tall. They were so very little. Small, very small figures. But they all had magnets in the feet. And they were yeah. actually articulated. They had uh, at least four points of articulation. I don't know if they had articulation at the neck or not. But they had it at the shoulders and the hips. Uh, and you put them on a little vehicle and the vehicle would transform into like from a cargo carrier into like a little warship or whatever the case. Uh, that was one of the great gimmick lines of the eighties. And then they also had air raiders, which were vehicles with air pumps that you would put the vehicle on this pump and like hit it and the vehicle would go racing off across the table or the floor or whatever. <laughs> I remember that. Well, didn't they have strings so that you'd put them on a line that went from your that, table to the couch? That I think I think you I think that was an addition, but you didn't need it to play with the toy. You could that was a go. different line. That was a was whole it? different line called Sky Sky Com- What was Sky it? Command. Yes. Sky Command? Hang on, I'm looking it up right now. I thought I put it in my notes, but apparently I didn't. Uh Sky Commanders. Yes. You would I'm drive your parents. 
insane because this whole toy line was based around zip lines. Yes. So you get the big headquarters and they're like three zip lines that run out of it. You've got this central piece uh, and you hook the zip lines. They come with these like C clamps and you hook one to like the dining room table. You hook one to the entertainment center in the living room. And these vehicles hook onto these zip lines and you zip them all over the house. And then your dad gets home from work and he's like, what the fuck are all these ropes doing all over the house? <laughs> Sky commanders. Yes. A again, listeners, I encourage you to Google all of these things because they are insane. The eighties produced so many like, one hit wonder toy lines. Hey man, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not kidding. Well, one that we haven't talked about yet is uh and sectars is a great example of this, but yes. so is the fright zone gloves that you make an animal that well, your hand yeah. you know, controls. Puppets. So Puppets. They had the, what? Boblins, yeah. The greatest example which, of that. Which by the way. Uh, for the listeners, go back and listen to our several episodes that we've had with Boglin's creator, uh, Boglin's and Sectar's creator, Timothy Clark, who has recently relaunched Boglin's. They will be available at retail stores near you this year. Uh, but yeah, puppetry in toys, Sectar's with, I, I can't even think about them now. Yeah, okay. Explain that. to me what this is. Okay, I'll explain what this is. What this is. Sectars were regular action figures. They were probably what, like five or six oh, like inches six tall? Inch, six inches, yeah. Okay. Uh, they rode on these giant insects. The Horrifying. insect was a, was a glove. So you'd put your hand in this furry glove and you'd put a saddle on it. Okay, that sounds and awesome. It, and it had a bunch of <laughs> eyes on the glove. That sounds so stupid, but awesome. And then you'd put the figure on the saddle and you'd you know, so you'd use your hand as the action figure. Well, your the, hand was, was the the the. It was like its legs, really, is what it, it was. It was the legs, and then it actually had a molded plastic body on top of that glove. So and it the was deluxe like, ones had motorized wings too. Yes, yeah. So, so there so was did like children's librarian create this because that totally seems like no. Actually, of uh, uh, <laughs> Timothy Clark, who worked for Jim Henson, worked on the yeah. Muppets, worked on Dark Crystal. Uh, a puppeteer a background and yes a puppeteer okay. uh he went to uh one of the uh he went to a party with a glove puppet he'd created of a uh fly mm -hmm. and just went around the party and everybody loved it so much and somebody that worked there and, and you can go back to one of the older needless things episodes and he explains this whole story but they loved it so much that he ended up making a whole toy line based around this fly glove puppet that he'd created just to bring to a party and, and have fun with. And uh, the second wave had like some really cool stuff for the proposed second wave, but the, uh, yes. the toy line flopped because the price point was just so high. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing was the scale because they were six inch scale figures. And in the eighties, I can't remember what it was. I want to say they were like 12 bucks a piece, which in the eighties was like $30. <laughs> And you, yeah, you could get like six GI Joes or five, right. five or six GI Joes for right. the cost of one, one of the sectars. And that wasn't even one of the glove ones. That right. was just the regular figure. Man. If you wanted so the glove thing, they were even more expensive. But now I want one of like from Labyrinth. I think it's Serpentimus or whatever, where he's the dog riding the dog. I want one of those now with that. 
<laughs> you see, so now mentioning sectars and boglins, this opens up a whole other gimmick that was a huge boom in the in the like the mid eighties, and that was gross out toys. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and that, that kind of came out because the garbage pal kids were so hot. So all these companies decided to do gross out type toys. There were ones that, you know, you squeeze them and they smelled, they burped and the like, eyes would slime. pop out. Like there was them. like garbage pail kids type things. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, all well, that, that's what started it was, was the, you know, the crazy the balls. Garbage pail kids. Mad balls. That's, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, like it's crazy how how deep this really goes with just like a gimmick in a toy. It's not as simple as just saying like you know rocket firing or vac metal head or color changing skin. Like I mentioned earlier, just gimmicks and toys is so much deeper than we could ever have a discussion about. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about rocket firing. Right. Or, no, we, we didn't talk about rocket fire. Oven. We didn't talk about caps, slime. Like, yeah. there's yeah, so right. much. Literally, an oven that you yeah. bake little foods you can eat <laughs> in. It's another the greatest... fire trap for your house. And, <laughs> and then the boys' equivalent <laughs> was the creepy crawlers. Well, and that's interesting because as we were talking earlier, I was thinking about like, well, think about all the Play-Doh gimmicks. Like, I had a, I had a uh, when I was a kid, I had a giant head that you would put teeth in yeah pretend you were a dentist you would put play-doh teeth in this head and pull them out and you could make like rotten teeth and regular teeth and teeth with little faces on them they also had the fuzzy pumper barber shop where it was heads with holes in the top yes and the yes. barber chair had a crank that would push the play-doh through the holes and, then and they had clippers and scissors the oh, clippers cool. you press a button and they would do this number and the scissors for, for those listening who can't see, <laughs> <laughs> they had clippers where you'd press a button and two pieces of uh, like serrated plastic would, would basically cut the Play-Doh. And then they also had scissors that were little plastic scissors. So you could cut and style their hair and then just crank more Play-Doh through the head. And then inspire you to cut your little brother's hair, which... Oh, yeah. You could even use the little plastic scissors to do that. So... We got to wrap it up, but I want to go around and, uh, I want everybody to tell me, tell, tell us your favorite sort of general gimmick, but then specifically your favorite gimmick toy, like one action figure, one toy, one thing that if you had to, if it was the one gimmick toy of your collection would be the centerpiece. Uh, we'll start with Ricky. What's your favorite sort of general gimmick, but then what's your favorite one gimmick item? Man, it would be impossible to pick oh, one yeah. favorite gimmick because I like so many of them. But because I have an answer for the favorite gimmick item, <laughs> I'm going to go with glow in the dark and the item would be scare glow. Oh, very nice. Because both the vintage scare glow and the classic scare glow are are like two of my grails. They're yeah. just two figures that I really would love to own. Well, the classic scare glow is the one that started me collecting Masters of the Universe classics because it it was the Lay's potato chip. It was the one where I was like, it's a glow in the dark skeleton in a purple cape. I have to get this. And then I got it, and it was so nice that 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 was the end for me. I bought. Uh, Skeletor and then uh, Trapjaw and then that I just subscribed. I they, it pulled me into that whole classics thing. 
Well, I have to admit, I got Scareglow and Tila on the card in a trade for some stuff that I, I didn't want. And I got them in and I was like, well, I can just sell these. Because at the time, they were like 25 bucks. Sure. And uh, I was like, well, I can sell these and I can give my friend what he wants and, and I'll just sell these and get my money back. And I got Tila and Scareglow in and I was like, man, I got to get rid of these fast because if I keep <laughs> these, I'm going to collect this line. Yeah. And so I did. I sold them quickly and then I started collecting the line years later. Oh, no. Scareglow was ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And then I got them again. <laughs> I got them again on the card again from a guy who sold them to me at a swap meet for a ridiculously low price. And I was like, say, don't sell them. Yeah. I was don't like, this them. is awesome, but I don't collect loot. I don't collect oh, carded no. classics oh, and I can't bring myself to take them out of the package. So, so I was like, I'm going to sell him and then I'll just buy a loose one for the same amount. So I sold him and I, to this day, have not found a loose one oh, anywhere close no. to what I sold him for. Oh, so I've had him brutal. twice. <laughs> that's brutal. Oh, I am an idiot. <laughs> well, you know what? Well, we've all been there. Like I've got just today as I, I got so lucky today and I wasn't going to talk about this cause they're not gimmicky, but, uh, I went to a local thrift store today and they had, you know, you used to go to Goodwill and you would find like Ziploc bags full of 80 to 80s toys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I went to this local thrift store and they had four bags stuffed full of G.I. Joe Real American Hero figures. Oh, dude. $19 a piece. Ooh. I bought all four bags. <sighs> dude, we're talking 83 to 87 Joes. Oh man. 30, 36 figures complete in beautiful condition. I've spent the whole day cleaning them up and putting new O-rings in them. Unbelievable. But when I was a kid, I had everything because my dad was in the military. He loved oh. GI Joe. We were all in. I had the flag. <laughs> I had it oh, all. Man. <laughs> and when I got older, it all went up in the attic, and I don't know if you listeners or you guys know this, but Georgia gets really warm in the summer, and if you've got stuff in the uh -huh. attic, it gets destroyed. So my whole childhood Joe collection just destroyed. But I've 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 bought and sold toys that I've been like, why did I get rid of that? Why? Why did I do this? And I've gotten to the point where uh, there was a local guy named Billy. Do you do? Did you guys ever make it out to Billy's Toys ever, Ricky? Do you remember Billy's Toys? Where was that approximately? Like way out in the, in the like East Buttfuck. <laughs> I want to say we went out there one time. It was where's just a cram full of stuff. Where's a racetrack? It was near some racetrack in in Georgia. It was up nine eighty five. I think I have been there once. Billy, this is years ago. This great guy named Billy, store called Billy's Toys. He was in a couple of different locations over the years and just he knew everything. And when you would go to his store, he had just really fair prices, 
but he had a little bit of everything. Amazing place. He told me one time, this guy was like a toy philosopher. <laughs> he told me one time, he was like, never sell your toys. If you ever get into the toy business and you like, you know, you, you have like, you have your GI Joe stuff, but then you get extras or whatever. And you do what I do and open a toy store. That's one thing. Never sell your toys. Fact. And he was right. Never sell your toys. Just don't do it. Note for a show, uh, toys we regret getting rid of. There you go. I, you know what? I don't even know if I can do that. It's no, I, no. I I'm writing it down. Weeping for I'm writing it show. down. Toys we regret. All right, uh, Bambi. Can you think of like in general your favorite toy gimmick? But specifically, like one, and if it's if it's Mummy Raphael that glows yeah. in the dark. I mean, honestly, one of the coolest yeah. toys ever. So whatever. <laughs> well, I was thinking. I was like, man, that's so hard. Because glow in the dark, glow in the dark has to be my favorite gimmick. Even though clear and glitter and light up, oh, they're so good. Metallic, <laughs> I like shiny things. So I, I guess I'd still have to go with glow in the dark. And thinking if it has to be one of those, then it means I can't say my glitter dollop. So it'll be probably yeah, the Raphael because it mixes monsters and glow in the dark and turtles. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, that that's it. I think for me in general, my, I'm going to go with glow in the dark as well. Like uh, that, because it's so simple, but it's so effective. And, and like I said, even if you just look at super seven, Mm -hmm. since super seven started doing glow in the dark, their first glow in the dark figures didn't glow for shit, but they figured it out over time. And now when you get a glow in the dark figure from super seven, it lights the room up. Like, the uh, they recent they're the Super Seven Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimates that are out now. They did a special Baxter Stockman figure that glows in the dark, and they also recently did a Thundercats Ultimates Mumra that glows in the dark. And these things, like you've never seen anything glow like these glow. But I've also got some reaction figures that they did that barely glow at all. Like you, you have to look at them and almost pretend that they're glowing. But there's so many different glow-in-the-dark toys. There's so many different levels of execution of glow-in-the-dark. I just love it. But my favorite gimmick toy, as far as just something that has a very specific uh, action or feature or whatever that is a part of that toy is something that we, Bob, you touched on it earlier, but the Jimmy Superfly Snooka from Hasbro's WWF figures, the jumping action. He's got the little lever. The, the It's not even a lever. It's a little thing on his back, and you push it down and let it go, and he jumps up. And I don't know why, but something about the execution of that feature, it's so simple, but it works so well. And the fact that Superfly, like that was his thing, jumping off the top of that cage, you know, throwing the I love you sign up, jumping off the top of that cage. The fact that that figure does pretty much exactly what 
that dude did. I just love that figure so much. <laughs> and it's also, that was one of the first WWF Hasbro figures that I got. Cause I wasn't collecting those when they were out. Um, I didn't get into those until years later, actually to go back to the whole finding Ziploc bags full of toys at Goodwill. That's where my whole Hasbro WWF collection came from is I was in a Goodwill in probably 99 or 2000 and bought four or five bags of Hasbro WWF figures. Wow. And I got that snooka out and his little jumping feature still worked great. And I just love <laughs> it. I love that feature. It's, it's so simple, but it's so much fun. Now, Bob, this episode was your baby, <laughs> was your idea. You got to take us out, man. We're doing a clean sweep on the glow in the dark thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's so good. It's just so yeah, simple. Like I said earlier, it's just like you can take an existing figure and they don't have to do anything. Just mold it in glow in the dark plastic and you have something entirely new. Yeah. There are lines of figures I don't even collect. If they make a glow figure, I'm buying it. Yes, absolutely. I got a whole absolutely. shelf of like, I have a, an endoskeleton that glows in the dark. I have a predator that glows in the dark. I have um, for Chaos Comics, like Evil Ernie line. They made all those glow in the dark. I have those just because they glow. I don't even care about half the crap, but it glows. I have. <laughs> but my favorite of all time, it's, it's what got me started on everything that I am today. It is the Remco glow in the dark Frankenstein figure. The glow, it wasn't It wasn't even in glow plastic. It was a black plastic figure. There was glow paint on his face. It's barely there anymore, but it's there. It still glows. It's it's what got me started for my love of glow, my love of monsters, my love of Frankenstein, everything. That one figure has literally shaped my entire life into what I am today, the glow-in-the-dark world champion. God <laughs> Well, you guys, I think we've determined that glow in the dark is truly the greatest toy gimmick of all time. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank, thank all of you guys for sitting down talking about toy gimmicks today. Uh, before we go, obviously we've got to let you put over what you're doing, where we can find you online. Uh, Ricky and Bambi, where can we find you guys online? What are you up to? Uh, Radiocult.com. You can check out our terribly outdated website. <laughs> it's so out of date. <laughs> <laughs> If you look at it, you might think the band broke up years ago, but no. still play. Yeah. No, what it's more, more up to date on Facebook. Yes. But if you go to the website, you can check out our band's video game, videos, comic books, trading cards, t-shirts, mm -hmm. and this ancient thing called compact discs. Uh, CDs. Yeah. I but you can check request. us out on Spotify, YouTube, wherever. You guys have an album of cover uh -huh. songs. We have several. Fantastic. I think another album of cover songs is due, <laughs> but one of the songs that needs to happen, Bambi, I need to hear you singing <laughs> Anthrax's Metal Thrashing Mad. <laughs> this needs to happen. I'm just saying that's, that's my request. I can use my glow in the dark Swiss pick. <gasps> yes. yes <laughs> yeah, my absolutely. Picks are glow in the dark. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Bob, yeah. what are you up to? Where can we find you online? Find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com at Bob Burke art, Instagram at Bob Burke art, all one word, uh, gearing up for a 2021 show season. Got a lot of crazy things coming up soon. Uh, 
started painting a lot of new things. So you can check me out on my social medias for all that information on shows. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. And um, kind of got an idea kind of swimming around in my head for something new that might be looking to get into sometime soon. So more on that, hopefully later. Awesome. Well, you guys, we will reconvene in the future for R rated movie toys and toys we regret selling, which will be the most <laughs> painful episode of the Needless Things podcast of all time. It'll need a warning like label. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, will. It's, it's, to listen to a sob. It's, yeah, seriously. You're going to feel feelings. Can we have a, like a therapist sit in on that one, too? Can you? Can you, can I, you gonna, put I'll arrange something. I'll arrange something. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much. And uh, we will talk to you again sooner than later. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You know, it's really unlike me to forget to mention the Needless Things YouTube channel, which you can go check out on YouTube. Uh, today's review, or today's, this week's reviews, uh, I took a look at the new Cassie Hack action figure from Creative Comics and Collectibles. It's part of the first wave of their Collectible Legends line, which is obviously meant to be sort of compatible with Marvel Legends. Uh, Cassie Hack is from the awesome horror comic Hack Slash. If you've never read it, you really should. And uh, I enjoyed, uh, well, I, I checked out two of the figures. They're two different versions, a regular and a blood-spattered version. Always popular with the independent comics figures. Uh, and then the first one I did this week, oh gosh, what was it? It's been so long now. Uh, oh, oh yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage, the new WWE Ultimate Edition Macho Man. Uh, which is also a great figure. Next week, uh, I've got more stuff. I don't know exactly what's going up yet. It depends on if some stickers for a project get here in time or not, but I do have a lot of stuff I've already recorded and got ready to go. Uh, so uh, a hunky boy predator is among those. And if you have not yet watched Psycho Goreman, you really should. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for supporting. Please like, subscribe, and share to the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, review this podcast, I guess, wherever you can do that. Um, and I, I owe a prize from a couple of weeks ago that I never got back to because things have been so crazy lately. And a prize for the Audible Interlude podcast. So I'll be sending those out this weekend, actually. So there you go. Every once in a while, I'll reward you for listening. And you can reward me by uh, liking and sharing everything that Needless Things does. Thank you so much. I love you guys. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.